The uh, one of the first people when we were when we were getting our show off the ground, one of the first people that we had a chance to talk to and has actually helped us along the way and still continues this day is uh, a fellow by the name of Don Wilson. And I know that you're uh, you, you're friends with Don, are you? Yes, I've I've known Don since I was 19 years old, and and Richard knew him way back when uh, Elvis was still alive. He's a good, he's a good friend of my family. He's like a brother to me. Yeah, he's he's been he's been so great to us and uh, just just helped us out and has been so gracious with his time and helping us get together. So, it, it, you know, w- what we found and what's really nice is that the, uh, so many people have been helpful, you know, with us and say, oh, you need to talk to this person. You need to talk to that person. Yeah, his Don's yeah. knowledge is amazing. I know Richard and George would constantly ask him, what year was that that Elvis did that? Or, or what's that movie that... Elvis was in with the boat or the car, you know, because they, they were there. It's not something that they, you know, they don't remember all those dates, but Don's always had, had a wealth of knowledge. He was their go-to, for sure. His recall is tremendous. It is. <laughs> Amazing. Much better than mine. Hi, this is Don Wilson, and this is my second episode in the series, Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. I want to say a very special thank you to Krista Joy and Peter Alden for that clip with my sweet friend that I've known since she's 19, as she said, Kimberly Davis Ward. Richard Davis, who was married to Kim, he was my best friend, and I miss him. And um, not a day goes by that I don't think of R.D. And um, a lot of great memories there. In an upcoming show, I will have an exclusive interview that I did with Richard back in 1992. And it's never been aired in its entirety. But I will put it on here. Speaking of uh, Krista Joy and Peter Alden, another great show. Here's another clip from a recent one with Shira and Larry Geller. And, of course, Larry was Elvis's hairstylist and bodyguard, confidant, and he's been there for me any time that I've needed him. Both of them are the sweetest people in the world. Shira's been there as well. And um, it touched me that they said this, you know, about me. And um, so I'm going to share it with you for posterity. And Don Wilson's online. I need to say hi to Don because he's the whole reason I met you guys. He's my best friend. Aw. Yeah, he um he's he's only using Wisdom Organics. He loves your products, as you guys know. So I wanted to acknowledge Don. Don was a good friend of Elvis's. Elvis loved Don Wilson. Wow. Really did. Yeah. Yeah, he has he has so many great stories, and um, oh, I know I know he, he thinks so everybody. much of you guys too. Don knew every celebrity that yeah. lived. <laughs> I know it's crazy. God's amazing. I want to thank Krista Joy and Peter Allen for those great clips, and uh, I invite you to check them out. TCB Radio Network 
They're on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. They're everywhere, man. And we were talking about Larry Geller's uh, hair care products. I use his Embody shampoo and conditioner. It's fabulous. I don't use any other hair care products now. Check them out, www.wisdomorganics.com. Hello and welcome back to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. I'm Don Wilson. To get the ball rolling on this show, I decided to uh, go back and call from my radio interviews that I did in the mid-90s. And many of these have not been on the air since then. This first segment is from Sam Phillips. Of course, Sam Phillips, he's been called the father of rock and roll he uh, began Sun Records and uh, is responsible for discovering artists like Elvis, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, Roy Orbison, B.B. King, Rufus Thomas, and the list just, just keeps going on and on and on. Well, anyway, when uh, I went to Charlie Rich's funeral, I sat with Sam Phillips and George Klein. After the service, I asked Sam if he would be on my radio show that night, and he indeed agreed. And here's an excerpt of Sam talking about one of his favorite artists that he discovered, Charlie Rich. I'm talking with the great Sam Phillips. Mr. Phillips, I really appreciate you taking this time out to be on my show and to talk about Charlie Rich. In your own words, just tell me about uh, Charlie. Uh, to answer your question, Don, uh, and I was so glad to see you out at the funeral home because you are one of the very, very kind people in the world. Well, thank you. And let me let me tell you this: um, WEBL is uh, they are very fortunate to have somebody that knows how to handle people like you do. You came up to me in the in the very um, throws of something that all of us were very concerned about and you just asked me if I would say a word or two about Charlie, you know? Yes, sir. Well, let me tell you, first of all, that um, it was such a great privilege this afternoon to be at Charlie's service. Um, But most of all, uh, the thing that means so much to me and we live on even beyond um, the fact of our great memories and and the things that we have shared together is that his music will just will not diminish but I think even the things that uh, serve us all so well is if you know the individual and you know personally what he is or what she is you cannot ever forget Charlie Rich he to me is one of the most unique people between the contriteness of decency of heart 
and his great ability as an unbelievable, just about unchallenged talent that carried itself through all idioms of music. He could do it all, couldn't he? He could not find anything in music that had any lines at all. The great Sam Phillips. I had a great time when I lived in Memphis. I had wonderful friends, and it was a good time to be there. One of my good friends was Red West, the actor, movie stand-in, bodyguard. He did it all. He was a songwriter. He wrote quite a few uh, hits for Elvis, uh, Separate Ways, If Every Day Was Like Christmas, If You Talk In Your Sleep. Seeing is believing quite a few songs. Well, anyway, when uh, I was in Memphis, my radio show was called Mystery Train. I'd say, I'm your conductor, and you're riding on the mystery train, and you never know what's coming around the bend. Well, that's why you'll see me refer to the show as Mystery Train. Here uh, is a phone interview that I had with Red. Red would come in person, and he he's co-hosted the show with me. And he also appeared on the phone when, uh, sometimes when he wasn't in town. And here's one of those occasions when I get uh, Red to tell a funny story about his time with Elvis. Red, I appreciate you coming on the mystery train today. Um, I'm glad you uh, We just wanted to know if you would like to uh, share some stories with the fans out there in Radio Land. And, uh, you know, maybe some uh, comical stories that, uh, you know, might, might tickle the funny bones out there. Can you think of anything in particular? Well, I, I can think of a bunch of them, but my favorite was uh, trying to get Elvis to my house for his birthday. He, uh, he always liked to stay around Graceland, and we had a surprise birthday party for him in my house, and trying to figure a way to get him there. I came up with the idea of uh, uh, calling him saying that I shot myself in the foot or something. So I did, and sure enough, he raced over, all the guys come running the door, I had a towel, wrapped around my foot. All the guests were hidden back in the rest of the house, and they come running out singing happy birthday. And, uh, <laughs> Elvis' sense of humor was not at his greatest at that point, but he finally, you know, he was in such a panic that I shot myself, but he finally uh, got into the mood of things. We had a great surprise birthday party for him. As you will hear, I asked Red to tell me some uh, memories that he had of Elvis and himself in Vegas. A little piece on uh, Las Vegas. Uh, uh, later on in the show today, can you think of anything that funny might have happened out in Vegas? Well, yeah, Lamar Pike, Elvis had the uh, Winnebago, and we were driving back and forth from L.A. to, to Las Vegas, and one morning we got up early, and Lamar was, you know, Lamar's a funny guy, about 300 pounds, and he was going to drive it, drive the Winnebago. He said, well, you're a friendly, courteous driver, expects our ETA to be so-and-so and so-and-so. And, uh, uh, he got in the bus and getting stopped by the Sahara Hotel, something, Colonel Parker. And we're all in the bus, in the 
buses for 14-something to be nine. They overhang his hair. It was 13-something. They took the, uh, <laughs> the top of the Winnebago off, and that was sitting right underneath where the air comes in and all the paint on the Sahara came right down on his head. He just sat there. Reminded me of the cartoons where I guess he had a face with paint. All you see was his eyes and the white face. My best friend, without a doubt, was Richard Davis, and uh, I knew uh, R.D. since Elvis was still with us. I met him when I was a kid, and we remained friends until he passed away, and I really do miss Richard. I think about him a lot. Uh, this interview, <laughs> every time I interviewed uh, Richard, you know, whether it was for my radio show or for the Definitive Elvis or some other project, I always had to get him to talk about Elvis's chimp, Scatter. Scatter was before my time, well, uh, about at least being around Elvis and the guys. And uh, so I always relish these stories. And Richard was a great auteur. He could, he was a great storyteller. And so I pinned him down and I got him to talk about Scatter. And thankfully, you're going to be able to hear about Elvis's chimp, Scatter, right now. Richard, while I got you here, man, though, I got to ask you one favor. You got to tell me a story about Scatter, Elvis's chimpanzee. Did you win? No, there's a lot of stories about Scatter. See if I can think of one real quick off the top of my head. Uh, Scatter. Wow. Um, Scatter was a chimpanzee that Elvis had purchased from a, a man named Bill Killebrew, who used to own a, a local TV, a kitty TV show here in Memphis. And uh, his show went off the air, and uh, he was going to get rid of his little chimp, Scatter. And so Elvis bought him. And he became like one of our favorite little guys, man. You know, we, we took him everywhere we went. And we used to, Elvis used to, he'd dress him, we had silk, Elvis had silk mohair suits made for him, and, and little, uh, little uh, yacht caps and stuff, and we'd dress him up and put him in the back of the limousine, and we'd drive to the studio, and we'd put him in the back seat of the limousine, and it's like we were chauffeuring him into the, into the studio, and we'd take him to the studio with us every day, and take him and put him in our dressing room. We locked him in the dressing room, which we thought we locked him in the dressing room, and he got out one day and uh, went and, and destroyed the head of the studio's uh, office. And we got a phone call from the head of the studio that said that, that the monkey had to go or we had to go, one or the other. He was barred from the lot, so we had to go get him and take him home. And we left, we were living in Perugia, I mean, uh, Bellagio Road in Bel Air, California at the time. We left him at the house. And we had a, it was a secret compartment between the walls, and we had a cage down there for him that we used to put him in this cage. And all the telephone communications were going into this room where his cage was. And he got out one day, I don't know how he got out, but he got out one day and tore all the telephone wires out of the wall. And it took three days. Well, we had no telephones or no, no intercoms, no local intercoms or anything. And we had the telephone people came up to, uh, to repair it, and they took three days to repair these lines that this monkey tore out, right? And another time, we, I, I think what happened to him was, uh, I think our maid uh, poisoned him. Uh, I, I don't know for sure, but one of our maids poisoned him here in Grayson, 
because he, he got out in, in, in Bel Air, California and went to our next door neighbor's house. They were having a big formal party in the backyard. And uh, he went over doing his normal scream and everything and they thought it was a gorilla that had gotten loose. So they called the Bel Air, it scared everybody. And the man who was having a party, his wife was pregnant and she almost had a miscarriage because of this. And so they called the Bel Air Society the next day and got up a petition and we got notice from the Bel Air Society, which is where we lived, that either the, uh, the monkey had to go or we had to leave Bel Air. And we wasn't going to leave Bel Air, so we had to send him back to Memphis. So we brought him back to Memphis, and that's, we built a cage. I was built a cage for him here with a house and a little heater and air conditioning, all this kind of stuff there. And the maids that we had in Memphis just go out and feed him every day. And uh, so one night, the maid went out there to feed Scatter, and uh, she bent over to, to slide his food through the cage, and as she did that, he reached up and grabbed her hair, and she had a wig on, and jerked her against the bars, and pulled her wig off, and pulled her so hard, it pulled her out of her house shoes, and she came running back in the house screaming and hollering, and, you know, and so I had to go out there and get her wig and her house shoes away from Scatter and bring it back to her. Well, it was like maybe one or two days later that we found him dead, and we had to call the Humane Society to come pick him up. And uh, we kind of think that, that what happened to him was that he got poisoned. I'm not sure. But he was a lot of fun for us. We enjoyed Scatter. And uh, he went to all of our parties and went everywhere we went. And I'm sitting here with one of Elvis's best friends. He was his ballet movie stand-in. And he appeared in 23 of Elvis's motion pictures. A great friend, Mr. Richard Davis. How you doing today, Richard? Hello, Donnell. How you doing, sir? I'm doing just great. I really appreciate you taking the time out to appear on Mystery Train this That's morning. That's all right. It's costing me. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait. Let's talk, Don. What you want? Okay, well, uh, I'd like to know some of your memories of Elvis. Uh, tell us, uh, we were talking about earlier a story of uh, Elvis and yourself in Hawaii. I, yeah, we was filming the movie, uh, Paradise of White Star, we was in Hawaii and we were at the stand at the Ilikai Hotel. And at the same time we were staying there, they, they were doing the movie uh, Hawaii. And uh, while we were there, we, after we, we had made a bet with uh, the, 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 the crew of the Hawaii movie. Uh, so whoever could get back to the hotel on time, we were using a helicopter, they didn't know this, right? And we were filming on the far side of the island on a Chinaman's hat. And, uh, we made a bet who could get back uh, to the hotel first would buy everybody else drinks. Well, they were they were filming and their location was closer to the hotel than ours was, but they didn't realize we were using helicopters. So they're on the far side of the island. I mean, we were on the far side of the island, really. And we used helicopters to get back to the hotel. Well, they did, and they had to buy everybody drinks, right? Now, you want to know about the uh, the money thing in the right. hotel, right? Right. I got off on a tangent there. Uh, that's what George which said. Is in said which is in Webster's Dictionary, right. And uh, we, we were at the hotel that night, and uh, one afternoon, rather, and that was his whole, uh, room was on the uh, the ocean side of the hotel. Yes. Mine was on the street side of the hotel. So uh, one afternoon, we were standing on, on Elvis's balcony, and bored, like we usually were, were trying to sell 45 records to see who could reach the ocean with a 45 record. And we were betting money on it. So of course, we couldn't do it because it was too far away. And then we got bored, started throwing the patio furniture off the uh, balcony. Well, we got a little trouble for that. So we go over to the other side, the street side of the hotel, which is on my side. 
and we're looking off the balcony and here's these Rolls Royce limousines and Cadillac limousines and everything pulled up in front of the, the hotel and now these people are getting out and in formal dresses and, and furs and all this stuff. And they're real, real high-class looking people, right? I said, look at here, Elvis, look at all these high-class people calling these Rolls Royce and stuff. He said, they're just down there and people. I said, no, man, look at it. They're coming up here in all these fancy cars and fancy dresses. He said, I'll show you how fancy they are. So he goes back into his room and he opens up a, a dresser drawer and he pulls out a bunch of fives, tens, and one dollar bills. And he walks over to the balcony and he throws them off. And they're floating down, you know, and they start landing on the ground. And there was a big fountain right out in front of the hotel. And they start landing in the fountain. And these people in these formal gowns and furs are jumping in the fountains trying to grab this money. And Elvis looked at me and said, see there, I told you, like everybody else. <laughs> You can hear uh, George Klein chime in, yes, during Richard's last segment there. Speaking of George, through GK, I met Cliff Gleaves, one of Elvis's uh, good friends. Cliff had the ability to have Elvis on the floor rolling with laughter. I did a video of, of Cliff doing one of his old son records called Love Is My Business, and it just cracks you up. In fact, uh, we sent a copy of the video to Priscilla, and according to George Klein, Priscilla just cracked up. Anyway, he was a, a, a wonderful guy, and uh, he stayed with me for a long time at my apartment in Memphis, and then uh, I called Sam Phillips up, and I said, you know, Cliff's been at my place, and he's like, well, Don, he said I could take him for a little bit, and so he would stay with Sam for a while, and then Alan Fortis, so he kind of went around, but uh, anyway, George told me, while you got Cliff there, get him on tape. Nobody can get him on tape. So Cliff was with me long enough. He would never come down to the radio station. And he was a disc jockey in Jackson, Tennessee at one point. Well, anyway, I got him on uh, audio tape. I got him on videotape. And this is one of my most requested interviews. This is at least uh, some a portion of uh, some of my uh, interviews that I did with uh, uh, Cliff. And... Um, you just had to be there, I guess. Cliff would come in and say, Good God, mister! Yes! Boom, boom! And, uh, you know, <laughs> just, he was such an uh, upbeat uh, kind of guy that he always kept you up. So uh, we're going to be talking, uh, or should I say I was talking with Cliff in this um, uh, interview from 1993, I believe it was. And I'm sitting here with one of Elvis's truest and closest friends, the one and only Cliff Gleaves. I'm glad you said one, Don, because there are many, including you and George and Richard and others. You know, the, the man uh, had a lot of good friends. Well, he was blessed in this world to have uh, friends such as you, I've got to say that. He, he was blessed to have friends such as you and George Absolutely. and Richard. Well, he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, uh, you know, people say he didn't have any friends, oh yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Cliff, you, you went all the way back to uh, 1956. That's when you first met Elvis, wasn't it? 55. 55. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned that ghetto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. But uh, to let the listeners know that uh, you've known Elvis for many, many years up until this time. Uh, let's go back to 1969 when uh, Elvis was getting ready to come back to uh, 
Las Vegas for his so-called comeback. I like what George Klein said. I never was away. Right, but let me say this, uh, and I just gonna stick to my record, right? Uh-huh. Uh, these were the words he used. I, I received a phone call in my apartment in Fort Lauderdale one night, and uh, it was Elvis. He said, Cliff, this is Elvis. I said, well, man, you heard about me in a while. He said, I want you to hear something. Listen to this. That quick, boom, over the phone came in the ghetto. And when it was over, he said, what do you think of that? And I said, man, it is dynamite. I said, it's a hypnotic thing to that record. I was, it had me just right there, had me from the first uh, second. And he said, well, Cliff, these are the words he used. George is right, but this was a mood or a feeling he had. I'm not contradicting what George said, but uh, he said, Cliff, he said, I think I'm on my way back. He said, I hadn't been there in quite a while, and you know it, and I know it. I said, that's right. He said, okay, I think I got me a number one record. And uh, I'll be talking to you. Some things are in the wind and other things are going on. And I said, hey, play it again. And he did. And I said, Elvis, I really like it. And I, I really believe you got a number one hit. And I really, truly like that record and did the before two spins on the record. I like Cold and Gray Chicago Born, right? Right. Okay. And that was, uh, I forgot the other conversation, just lightweight stuff. How you doing? I'll be uh, calling you again not too long. Tell your wife, I said, hello. See you later, Cliff. Bye, Elvis. It was the end of that. And I uh, forgot how many months it was, but the next call came after suspicious minds had already, bam, hit number one. Cliff, says, Elvis. He said, man, I've been booked. The colonel has booked me in Las Vegas. I'm opening there in August. And I want you to, if you will, come out two weeks early before I go to Vegas and stay with me at the house I had. That was the one on Hillcrest. And uh, he said, uh, you know, can you make the arrangements to do it? I said, oh, there's no problem. He said, okay, I'll call you later. And, uh, you know, send you your tickets and everything. Come on out and be with me a couple of weeks before I go over to Oklahoma. I said, all right. And that's what he did. And he called me and I flew to Los Angeles and stayed there at the house on Hillcrest until most of that time he was doing rehearsals. And uh, stayed with him till he went over and went over with him when he went over. No, I'll take that back. Uh, I don't know whether I went on with him to Vegas and then to Memphis or straight from LA to Memphis. He had called Sam Phillips and invited his sons, Knox and Jerry, to uh, come on out. At that time, Sam was like Elvis, he didn't fly. No, so I flew on to Memphis either from Vegas or LA, it's not important. And uh, we all got together and Sam rented the limousine. And Sam and Sally and Knox and Jerry and me and Knox White, we were talking about it the other night out at Sam's brand new, beautiful, refurbished home. <clears throat> and uh, we rolled out to Las Vegas in that limousine. Had a lot of fun on the way out. We were talking about it the other night, you know, the fun part. And right, yeah. Out, yeah. Uh, you were you there the very first night when Elvis came back on stage uh, for his return in Vegas? Absolutely. Was he real nervous right before he went on? Uh, I don't remember him being nervous. Uh, I do remember one thing, and I think if he was sitting right here, he wouldn't resent me saying it. I always use that as a guard, my dear friend, to insult or embarrass him. Uh, a little bit, I would say, guessing. It wasn't visible, but it was what he said. He said, you know, uh, I bombed here, 56. And I said, well, I knew about that. Uh, and he said it could happen again. And he said, I'm not really worried about not anybody being out there tonight. But he said, what I am a little worried about is these are sophisticated people, highly successful in this world, and uh, I'm leery of that. That's not the people that uh, really flipped over me in the first place. Not uh, knocking anybody, but uh, 
these people are all pretty well healed and very sophisticated, worldly people, and might not think I'm too cool. And I said, well, Elvis, I don't see it that way. And to keep the record straight, you know, uh, let me make this crystal clear. <laughs> let me make this crystal clear. Right. Uh, Felton Jarvis was the man who's right here standing there. And then he just said, hey, Elvis, he said, listen to me. And these people out there, I don't care who they are, what they've got, or where they're from, or how worldly they are, they love you, and they came here to see you, flat out. And it buoyed you, I could tell it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's what happened in the dressing room that night, you know. He must have so been. I felt Jarvis, if anybody, uh, that, that shot he fired about, man, these people out here love you, I don't care how much money they got, or how sophisticated they are, sophisticated they are, they came here to see you, and that's why they're here. And no other reason, it was not the curiosity they want to see you. That's why they're here. And I saw it. Boy, it really did. It must have thrilled him because uh, when he walked out on the stage, I've seen a film clip of it, uh, the audience just went wild. You know, and I That's think right. that he felt the acceptance. I felt uh, he did right off when he first walked out on the stage. And uh, by the way, uh, you better believe it. And I was right in the middle of that. Uh, he asked me, as he always had done on the shows, come back and spend a little time with me, with me before I go on, right? Okay, I did it then. And right after that, uh, I left the dressing room. I said, see you later, Elvis. See you what I was getting ready to do. Go out there and catch the show. You know? And I did, and I went back out to the table. Sam and Knox and Jerry and I and everybody had the, at a, uh, you know, our table. And that's how we saw the show. Oh, yeah, they just do the same old electric electricity, uh, as Elvis used to say, the electricity between him and the audience was instant. Oh, yeah. So in those seconds, whatever doubts he may have had and whatever he may have felt like a quote-unquote bombing there earlier uh, disappeared within seconds. I mean seconds. Sam would uh, back me up on that, and I know Knox and Jerry would. Unlike in the 50s, he never played to an unsold seat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> up till 1977. Yeah. Because I must have really been wild at the International that first week or so. Well, if, uh, if, uh, when I wild, I was used to it. Uh, it the excitement that he created. The hotel, uh, the fact that he was there, it just, his old Elvis man, the excitement in the air, you know, that he was in the hotel, let alone get into one of the shows, because it sold out for all performances, but uh, there's that typical same excitement that he created out on the road, uh, wherever he was, in the auditoriums, uh, the same thing happened there in that Hilton Hotel. I mean, the International it was then. At the time, yeah. At the time. Is there anything, any one particular thing that stands out in your mind for that engagement? The 69 opening? Right. Any one thing. No, not really. Not one of because don't forget, I had known him. I'd been on the road with him in the, in the 50s. And uh, I had that, that back to me. the biggest, hottest thing that never happened in the history of the business. Oh, and I, I was out. already housebroken to all the excitement and the, and the reaction and everything. So it was nothing new to me. I'm an old hand at it now, right? There was no surprise. No, oh. su no surprises whatsoever. It was Elvis back on stage. This time it happened to be in the back room of the, of the showroom of the International Hotel, but it was the same identical thing that happened out on the road. So it wasn't a little shock to me. <clears throat> you know. Hi, this is Jennifer Flowers. Guess what I'm doing? I'm listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Oh, I love it. Hey, listen in. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me next time on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Remember, I can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Breaker, 
Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Please check out my website at www.donwilsonshollywoodbeat.com and join me here next time. Remember, keep rocking and don't tip over. Thank you.